right? Yep. Oh, You're my second one, and I've got, don't let me forget. Hold on, I gotta do this clap thing according to my podcast partner. Okay. Okay, so we're sitting here on VB's uh, podcast. I shot my first one last night with my buddy Rod, and I've got my second one this morning with my buddy Ryan Newman, who is quite honestly one of my favorite people. We don't get to see each other a ton just because, you know, you moved off the grid into the middle of nowhere, and Eureka, and you you very busy dude. You're currently, from what I understand, you are working full-time, getting your master's degree in healthcare. Correct. And you are also reserve. You have a child that is about one and a half, maybe? Uh, he's almost two. About two years old. Yeah. And you're getting ready to have your second kid. That's right, yeah. So, you know, I remember those days, and I remember that I didn't, you know, have a lot of time to hang out. And then you're always doing a project. You just, you just refinished not long ago an old F-250? F-150, yeah. F-150. <laughs> so you got rehab that yourself yep. with a buddy. Yep. And you've got this beautiful old truck. Now, what year was that? It's a 94. So technically, it's a classic if you buy the 25 years old. Uh the 25-year-old marker. Wait, 94? 94. So, so, it's a so we're both classics. We're classics, yeah. What would I be considered if I'm 40? Is that still just a classic or is it? I think you're, I think you can get historical plates. I can put plates on me? Yeah. I'm yeah. going to do that. That's it's really not a bad idea. It might make you tax exempt. Is there a tax inside of? There's got to be. There's got to be at this point. Obama put something in place for me, right? He, he had to. If yeah. not, then Sanders will, right? Well, you get free insurance for sure. That's really kind of what I'm looking yeah, for is to be historically classified so I can get health care. Yeah, that's all you need. That's what we're going to do. You're set. So I invited you onto this thing mostly out of selfish ambitions because I'm just dying to hang out with you. And, <laughs> you know, when we get to our age, it's like, oh, there's got to actually be a reason where we tear ourselves away from our busy schedules to hang out. you got to on the calendar. And one of the things I really appreciate about you is... You know, we can go six months or three months or a month or a year without seeing each other, but the second you walk in the room, man, I just get a huge smile and you crack me up. Even the text you were sending me before this. Uh, Ryan is freaking hilarious. So I'm sitting here in the conference room with the podcast. I guess you were already standing up front trying to figure out where I was. Yeah. So you texted me real quick and you said, uh, hey, I'm at a quick trip. You want a coffee? Essentially just jabbing at me. <laughs> and you told me that you could get me a... A half roast double origin. I think that's a thing, right? And that makes it fancy. Absolutely, we haven't gotten to that to that uh, with our coffee. We're not there yet. You'll QT there. is on the cutting edge of that stuff. You'll so, get there. I I asked you to bring me one just so I could analyze that coffee. So, so you guys could figure out, back uh, analyze it, <laughs> deconstruct the coffee, and figure out how they got there. So what's been going on with you, dude? Like what? Uh, you, you were just telling me you're. You got bored after like three minutes of not rehabbing a truck and doing 17 other things. So what did you just get into? Well, so the truck, <laughs> my wife, so we bought this house and we knew from the get-go, as soon as we bought this house, like the bathroom just did not cut it, right? It was, it was a huge bathroom. For you or for your wife? See all of the above. So, <laughs> so they had this, they had this huge bathroom and, and they had this, this closet that was in the bathroom that would have been suitable for like a four-year-old kid which is great but not for both my wife and I and do you have a lot of clothes Ryan honestly yes <laughs> and, <laughs> and so does she which is unfortunate dude my wife threw my clothes in the garage 
Like I literally am not even in our because we're like we downsized what two years ago I think right. it was from a you know big three story house in a subdivision over here in St Charles and we said we use about a thousand square feet of this so <laughs> we're going to go to a much smaller place yeah and so we went to this two bedroom two bathroom townhouse right and you know it's got a big master bedroom on the top level and then we've got our bedroom downstairs it's essentially the second bedroom but. So our kids could sleep together in one room because we have two boys also. We're like, we got to give them the big room so we can make it really cool for them, make it their gaming room. They've got some space. All I do in my room is I walk in there, lay down, and go to sleep, and then I get up and start drinking coffee. So I don't yeah. hang out in my room. Right. But the downside to that is the uh, the master bedroom downstairs, or the, the guest bedroom that I'm using as the master bedroom has a closet that is probably smaller than that one that you just had. <laughs> so when we moved... There, I just said, well, just throw my dresser in the garage. <laughs> and it'll work. It'll and it's work. fine. I, don't, I really don't. It right. doesn't bother me in the least bit. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, I, I'm familiar with the, uh, the issue of going, eh, I, you know, I went through that whole thing maybe three months ago where, you know, I, I had kept a million things of clothes that I had worn at a wedding in, you know, 1988. And I just was keeping in case <laughs> yeah. I needed it. Yeah. And anyone that comes into Upshot or knows me knows I wear like the same pair of pants and the same black Nike pullover every single day. Right. So my wife is like, why exactly are we storing all these clothes when you wear two pieces of clothing and you have seven pairs of each one of those? <laughs> Your look never changes no matter what you're doing. You're and I was like, you know, that's a pretty good point. So we essentially got rid of everything but like 14 pairs of my clothes. And we just dropped them off at Goodwill, and now I have no other option, so I'm forced to be mediocre looking the rest of my life until I upgrade. But it works for you, so... I mean, I, I'm okay with it. Yeah, if it's not broken... You would sound an extremely attractive man, wouldn't you? Ruggedly handsome. Ruggedly handsome? Yes. <laughs> and I dig it, so... Who cares about this thing, So you decided to tear out a patio or a, or a porch, as I understand yeah. it. Yeah, so we completely ripped the porch out to the... It was solid. Like they built it real solid. So um, we ripped it down to the joists and then put a bunch of subfloor up. And the subfloor magically was in line with the rest of the house. So thank God I didn't have to, <laughs> to fudge that one. Um, so we could just carpet straight through. Um, and then we you know, insulated it, framed it up. Um, and you did it all yourself? Yep. Now, the one thing I did hire out uh, some guy to come and put up the siding. And uh, match the siding up because I, I mean that was how was that? Isn't that uh, really hard to match siding up when you have siding that's been hit by the sun for a while? Yeah, uh, he did it. And it looks good. <laughs> I didn't and ask any questions. I wrote him a check, and it seems to work. Yeah, he he asked me he's like uh, how much uh, how much you want to pay, and I was like oh, I don't know, I'll give you two hundred bucks, and he's like uh, how about two fifty? And I was thinking in my head, I was like, well, man, I ought to give me like 500 for this. So yeah, 250 sounds great to me. And, and I tell you, I left for work and I came home and he was done and it looks great. And I was like, sweet. Did you so, try to break that up into five installments? <laughs> Listen, man, times are tough. <laughs> Do you take rolls of quarters? <laughs> Dude, I remember like when me and Stacey first got married, or maybe we weren't even married yet. I think we were just dating, but I was living in this little house in North County and I had this Mazda MX-6 that I'd had since all throughout college and the first part of my life. The thing had like 280,000 miles on it. None of the doors would open without like rolling down a window. Like the thing ran incredibly well because those, I had 
multiples of those Mazdas back oh, in the day, yeah. and the engine, transmission, none of that would ever quit. Oh, no. The They're things good. that would quit would be the locks, the, locks. the windows, your <laughs> right. seat would fall off, <laughs> the dash would collapse into you. So I remember, like, I, I, I put it out in the street in, uh, in St. John, and I said, uh, you know, with a for sale sign saying, you know, I want a thousand bucks or 500 bucks or whatever. It was, it was something that it was a dollar a month that I was expecting if you needed a car and you wanted it, you mm -hmm. would just give me cash and I'd sign the title over and we called a day. And what I figured out in that situation is everyone wanted me to finance them <laughs> for $500. So like, Here's the deal, man. I'm going to take this car and you can sign over to me. I'm going to need to make $50 payments. And I'm like, okay, so... To make really nothing, I'm gonna. It's gonna be my job to track you down every month and hope that I can get fifty dollars out of you. Hard pass. So I was like, after like you know two weeks of that, because I learned quickly. Sometimes I was like, <laughs> ah, we're just gonna. So I called up Salvation Army, dude. Yeah. I said we're gonna donate this, and the value of it will be you know a thousand dollars on my taxes or whatever it is. Get your Cardinals tickets and be done with it. <laughs> but that was an amazing thing to me. I was like, you know, and I've been in that position too, where I had to make payments on things many times in my life right but it's generally from someone that can track me down yeah <laughs> somebody that has not a guy name. named ed that lives somewhere within 20 miles of me right. back when we couldn't even really track each other right pre-cell phone pre-everything so you work in the medical field yeah what do you kind of and you're getting your master's in health what mm -hmm. do you kind of see happening in the medical field right now what are the what are the things in your day-to-day -day life that are changing, evolving? What are your challenges in your job? Uh, so it's definitely more complicated. Um, it, it seems like healthcare is more specialized. Um, and this is coming from a very narrow scope, a very limited view that I have. It seems like um, people are looking at healthcare and this is my own personal opinion. Looking at healthcare as very individual pieces. Like uh, you're looking at it as from the view of an endocrinologist. So you're looking at it from only your diabetes or your um, your hypothyroidism or something like that, or they're looking at it from just your cardiology aspect or just your um, just the cancer side of things. But you don't look at it as a whole person. Um, and I don't I don't see that changing a whole lot as as much as people want to talk about it changing. Um, I think that's a, a big issue. Um, obviously, the the cost is is continuing to skyrocket. It seems like we get more and more people in the middle uh, of me going to the doctor, uh, me paying the doctor. It seems like there's eight middlemen now that want to get paid as well. It's and insane, it's, and it just goes. It just skyrocket. The cost keeps going up. Pig piggybacking off of that, and you know. I'm not going to get into any kind of tirade on whether it's the government's responsibility or mm -hmm. your employer's responsibility. Mm -hmm. I think that's a whole other conversation that could take 27 hours and we really have no idea what we're talking about. But mm -hmm. I will say that where I find it really, uh, really deceiving or really hard to understand is, you know, it was probably a year and a half ago, the last time I decided to destroy my body. Uh, which means I'm probably about due. Yeah. We were riding a scooter in Jamaica, or not Jamaica, St. Martin, wrecked it, yeah. dislocated, triple fracture my elbow, like I had to be, you know, I had to go back to Fort Lauderdale, Florida and get surgery. And so we, we have health insurance and we also have travel insurance, you know, which was like 50 bucks in case something happens, mm -hmm. anything your health insurance didn't cover, the travel insurance was going to cover. So right? did you, did you have to travel from Jamaica to Fort Lauderdale broken? Yeah, so that was an interesting oh. deal. So, you know, we were, 
we were flying back. The reason the whole injury happened, it was kind of, uh, in hindsight, more of a funny story now. But uh, <laughs> we were we were in, in on this little island, and it was a family reunion cruise. So there was uh-huh. like, you know, sisters and aunts and uncles and grandparents, and it was awesome. So that day we had all, you know, gone to this island, and we decided, me, my cousin Brian, and my brother-in-law Andy, who's married mm-hmm. to my little sister, we decided to run scooters that day. Yeah. And, you know, Andy has a... a, a had a really young child at that point. He's got another one now, but that was the first young one. Yeah. And so me and Brian were like, dude, get my sister to the beach. Um, we'll go get the scooters and then we'll just come back here and we'll bring the scooter to you so we can go ride these scooters all around the island. But you know, you can get, you know, your wife and your kids all to the beach and make sure that's all good to go. Cause my kids were older and you know, they just ran around and it wasn't a big deal. And Brian didn't have any kids. Yeah. So we go to this, you know, scooter scooter rental place in the middle of nowhere we actually walk there from the cruise ship we get these scooters it's you know one of those deals where it's a little bit hairy and we bring the scooter to the beach we go out and we ride all over this island we're driving like idiots i mean Mm -hmm. we are going i mean i think they probably went up to 55 and we're on this island passing in two-way traffic in the middle to get around cars and like we're all just acting like you know, a bunch of idiots. Like, when I look back at it, I'm like, it's amazing we didn't hit a truck head-on and all die. Like, right. you know, because we're all three of us doing idiotic things yeah. in hindsight. So we made it through all that, right? <laughs> and then, you know, we're getting back, and we somehow lost my brother-in-law at the very final crucial stage of getting the scooter from our joyride to cruise ship. And now we're up against this clock of returning the scooter. My brother-in-law is the only one that didn't pick up the scooter. So he has no idea to return this thing. The cruise ship leaves at a very, at a specific time. And if you're not there, you literally fly to the next island to catch it or you're responsible for getting yourself home. So we're in a panic because we've got like maybe seven minutes left to find my brother-in-law, get the scooter back. Or maybe it's 15 minutes. But we had to find him. He had disappeared. Locate him. No one had their cell phones, of course. And we're on a scooter anyway. Find him, locate him, somehow get him, then get him back to the scooter place, do the whole inspection deal, and then walk from that back to the cruise ship. So we're flying around in this last little bit in a, in a panic, trying to just figure out where he would be on this island. So he's not stuck, you know, because at this point I'm like, I, at this, I may just have to take my scooter back and leave him to be on his own since yeah. I can't find him, but we're flying all around the port area just seeing if we can locate him, the downtown heavy traffic. So we're heading back to the ship to see if he's waiting for us by chance at, at port to figure out where to get the scooters back to. So we're flying down the final road. I can actually see the cruise ship on the right-hand side. There's some construction going on. There's some speed bumps. And I'm behind what I assume is a local. So she's flying up this speed bump. And I'm like, oh, she's just going to hit it because it wasn't that big. So I was like, she's a local. She knows the speed bump's there. So I'm going 35, not that far behind her, like knowing motorcycle safety i did everything pretty much wrong <laughs> you know like i could have done a million things better right so i assume she's just gonna you know fly through the speed bump like every car in front of her is done and then i'll fly through it and no big deal well she slams on her brakes at the last second when she sees the speed bump i'm on my little scooter behind her i slam on my brakes there's gravel on the road in front of the speed bump from the construction to the right I start sliding sideways, and I'm like, well, maybe I can save this. And then my front wheel hit the speed bump while I'm sliding sideways. And, you know, the law of 
gravity and physics said, you're going to now fly off this bike because mm -hmm. you're projected sideways. <laughs> And I ate the sidewalk going, you know, 35, and I broke it with my wrist or my my uh, my left arm. So laying on the ground, and, and my cousin Brian was had made it to four, but he couldn't find me, so I circled back. The locals, everyone stopped. It's amazing I didn't get hit by a car on this little two-lane road, laying in the middle of it with all this going on. Roll over to the side, you know, the elbow hurts pretty bad. Luckily, I was wearing a helmet, so I didn't feel like anything other than my helmet and all the scrapes. You know, or my elbow was, was that bad. So I was like, eh, I think I just scraped up my elbow and maybe hurt it. I'm like, we'll be fine. So they called the port. Like, everyone locally was incredible. I would have never assumed that there would be this kind of response. I thought someone would take my backpack, run off with it with my wallet and cell phone. Right. No one would be paying attention to me. Some other car would just hit me because I was in their way, and it would be a disaster. But within seconds, they called an ambulance. They... They had pulled all my backpack and everything over to the side. They were looking after me. My cousin Brian comes back, and I keep trying to stand up to walk to the cruise ship because I'm like, I'm not going to miss port, right. right? And it's just my elbow hurts. No big deal. Every time I stand up, I get real lightheaded, which has not really happened to me in an injury where when you try to walk somewhere, you just almost faint. So I did that about three times, and finally they convinced me to wait for the ambulance. So... I sit down on the side, and the ambulance gets there like 15 minutes later. The port already knows, so they told the cruise ship because it's a medical emergency, not just a guy that got too hammered on Bloody Marys and, you know, <laughs> didn't make the ship. So they're actually holding the ship for me, and we know that that's contained. Um, at this point, because of my injury history of blowing out my knee in Colorado playing football, they said, well, do you want us to tell your wife who's already back on the ship with my kids? And I said, absolutely not. We're not telling her anything until... I'm back on the ship because she's going to be pissed. Yep. And quite honestly, I'm extremely pissed at myself right now. Yep. And I also didn't think it was a big deal. So ambulance comes, and I said, well, I'm going to get back on the ship. I don't think there's anything wrong with me. Just, you know, if you can clean it up and put a bandage on or whatever. And they refuse to treat you if you're not going to. The ambulance cannot treat you on that island unless you're going with them to the emergency room. Really? So there's no giving care to you on the side of the room and then letting you get in a golf cart and going to your cruise ship. So we wait all the time for the ambulance. They look at it. They're like, well, we can only treat you if you go to the hospital. I said, well, I'm not going to the hospital. I'm going to get back on that cruise ship. I'm fine. No big deal. There's a medical team on the cruise ship, right? They yeah. can bandage you up and yeah. clean it up. And so I'm like, screw it. So, yeah. I, you know, the, the, the port, we decline that, and, and the guys get me, you know, peel me up into this golf cart, and they get me directly into the cruise ship, and uh, they do the x-rays, and, and they come back down to me, and they're like, uh, yeah, so this is uh, this is not gonna this is not good. You've got a triple fracture. You've got a bone sticking out of your elbow, like a puncture fracture or puncture wound, and your elbow's dislocated. And I was like, all right, well, uh, you know, our next stop was Puerto Rico. So I'm thinking, and this is like, you know, I don't know, it may have been like five o'clock in the afternoon at this yeah. point. I don't really remember. But I was like, all right, give me some antibiotics, put a bandage on it, give me some pain pills. And I will take my chances sailing to Puerto Rico overnight and being in a U.S. territory where maybe mm -hmm. my health care works and, you know, it's an American territory. So I just felt more comfortable with that and I thought I can ride this out. So it, it was crazy. They literally gave me like a shot of some pain medicine and they said, well, just go back up to your cabin. They put a Band-Aid on it. Like a, like a gauze. <laughs> and they go, just go ride it out in your cabin. If the pain gets too bad, uh, you can call us and we might give you some more medicine. And we'll sail overnight, and at 7 a.m., as soon as we dock, 
will throw you in an ambulance and take you directly to a Puerto Rico hotel, right? Hotel? And, not hotel, hospital. Oh, okay. Like to a Puerto Rican emergency room. I'm like, okay. So <laughs> I, and, and at this point, to even get that far, we had to give them $1,500 in cash or credit card on the cruise ship in order to even have them x-ray us and meet with a doctor and get a pain shot and have a band-aid. So we've already paid 1500 bucks cash to the cruise ship to even get this far. So they wrap it up. I go back up to my cruise. My leg is shredded. There's no damage to it, but I'm yeah. just bleeding everywhere. So I'm like, well, it's probably going to be a couple of days before I get a good shower. So being completely rational, I just hop in the shower with my arm hanging and I take a nice shower. Mm -hmm. And then I think that I'm just going to sleep overnight, hopefully, and wake up. Well, the pain just kept intensifying and intensifying. Mm -hmm. And luckily, I had family members that had, you know, medical conditions where they had pain medicine. <laughs> yeah. And so they were able to give me a couple things to get me through the night, thank God, because if not for that, it would have been horrendous. Because yeah. I couldn't sleep. I just, you know, we had our little cruise ship cabin that was, you know, maybe the size of this conference room. Yeah. And, I, and then we had four people, because it was my wife and two kids in there. They were sleeping on the couch, we're on this little bed, and I'm pacing the entire thing the whole night. 7 a.m. we get on this thing, we go directly to the Puerto Rican hospital where they wheel me into this hallway and there's just people laying everywhere. Everywhere. Like, no one will speak to us in English. They all spoke English, they all pretended like they couldn't speak English. Oh, wow. And I'm laying there and I'm going, guys, I have to catch a flight to Fort Lauderdale at 3 p.m. to go get treated in America if you guys can't treat me. And no one would give us a time of day. And meanwhile, I'm looking around. This is like two hours in that I'm just laying on the stretcher and no nurses, doctors even checked in with me. And I'm looking around and there's like car crash victims and like people like legitimately significantly worse off than me that are laying there not getting any attention. Like, and, and my wife is trying to talk to the nurse, trying to talk to the doctor. They're blowing her off. They're pretending they can't speak English. So my cousin and his wife are like, well, here's a deal. Our flight leaves at 3 we're going to call an Uber, and you guys are just going to make your flight. And then we're going to get back to America. We're going to get you into a, a hotel room or a hospital room in uh, Fort Lauderdale where you can get surgery. I was like, deal, because this was right. going nowhere. Right. So we get in this Uber. They meet us at the hospital. We get in this Uber, and we take it directly to the airport. And, you know, I get on the flight, and i pretending like my arm's fine. I just pull my jacket down because I was pretty sure they weren't going to let me fly based on right. how the elbow was looking. Right. <laughs> so my wife was like, just pretend like you're fine. I'm like, got it. Yeah. So then we flew to Fort Lauderdale. We hop in a taxi. We go directly to the hospital in Fort Lauderdale. We've called ahead of time. We've checked our insurance to make sure that this hospital accepts our insurance to where this isn't going to become a whole nother nightmare. Yeah, we accept your insurance, whatever. So it's on the back end of Miami for a lot of Dale area, which I don't know anything about that area, but apparently it was kind of rough. So we check in, they scan our IDs, all this stuff. We get back in the room, they get me on antibiotics and some more pain medicine. And, you know, at this point, I know I'm settling in for another night, but at least I know in the morning I'm probably having, you know, the surgery that I need and the, it's coming to a head. Mm -hmm. So while we're in this room, my wife meets my aunt and uncle out in the parking lot. So she leaves our room and goes back out to the waiting room out to the parking lot so she, they can take our kids and take them back to their house. Yeah. And so I'm laying in this room. Like an hour later, she's still not back. And I'm like, oh, she, maybe she went to go get you know gas or she's something to drink or food or whatever. And I look over and I realize she has no purse or cell phone with her, let alone car keys. So I'm like, okay, now I'm starting to wonder what's happening. 
And in the meantime, I've started to hear people screaming and yelling going through the hallways. And like just a lot of noise happening and, and things just aren't right. So I literally just pull out my IVs and I walk out of my hospital gown out to the waiting room and I find my wife sitting in the corner by the front desk crying hysterically like in a ball. And I looked at her and I said, what the hell is happening? And she goes, there was a shooting right outside the hospital. They've got the entire hospital on lockdown because they're worried the shooter's still active and the people you're hearing running through the hallways are the shooting victims. So the entire place is on lockdown. They won't let my wife back into my room. So not only is she not able to get back with me, she can't contact me or anything. She's also in this lobby where like shootings are happening and people are screaming and the entire place is on lockdown. So I looked at the nurse, I said, well, they scanned your ID. They just checked us in an hour ago. They know you're with me. And the front desk guy goes, we will not let her back in unless there's a nurse that authorizes it or a doctor. And I looked at him, I said, are you serious? So, yep. so I go walk back in. I grab a nurse. I said, my wife needs to get back in. They come in to get her in. That was the first part of that ordeal. We then get surgery finally the next day. And the amazing thing I learned in all of that, like two months later, as bills started coming in, was although that hospital was covered by my insurance, every specialist that saw me was not. So even though we called to make sure our hospital was covered by our insurance, everyone, the orthopedist, the anesthesiologist, all these other specialists that they sent through there were not covered by my insurance. How does that work? I have no idea. But we sat there with a bill for $100,000 in specialists, even though we went specifically to a hospital that was covered by our insurance. Well, that, that doesn't make any sense. That's what I said. That's, that's the opposite of making sense. That's what I said. That's healthcare in a nutshell right there for me. It makes no sense. You specifically call ahead of time, you go to a hospital you're covered by, that hospital apparently is covered, but everyone that they bring through your room is not covered by your insurance necessarily. They don't tell you this. They don't tell you this until bills start coming in and they're like, uh, well, this it wasn't covered by your insurance because they're not, you know, Cigna or Blue Cross, Blue Shield, whatever it was we had. And... So all these people that came through and treated me at, you know, pre-surgery, surgery, post-surgery were separate bills at full medical costs, not negotiated insurance, premium costs or whatever. That does not make a bit of sense. That's, and, and so luckily we had travel insurance, so travel insurance was supposed to cover all of that. Travel insurance and them eventually, I guess, worked it out and we weren't really on the hook for that. But that right there sums up kind of this perplexion of how our healthcare system works currently. Right. Oh, it's it's such a maze of in-network, out-of-network, a, a mess of specialties, urgent care, emergency departments, everything that comes together to form mud. <laughs> and you, how do you make some how sense? Does, how does the average person circumnavigate that? I mean, my wife's a PA, so she's a healthcare provider. I visit hundreds of offices a week and, and working on my master's in healthcare administration and I can't even do it. And it's like how let me ask you this. How good is your health coverage at your job? How's what now? How good is your health insurance at your job? Pretty good. Okay. Yeah. Because I had this conversation with another one of my buddies that works for a massive healthcare company yeah. that's low well they have offices here in St. Louis. And he was telling me his health insurance coverage and he actually works for one of the plan providers. It's oh. not like a medical office or oh, something. He yeah, works for you. an actual, like, yeah. you know, whatever it may be. Cigna, mm -hmm. Blue Health, Blue Shield. 
I have no idea who he even works for. Yeah. But he was saying their health insurance as an employee of the is not great. No. It's, <laughs> and there's. It's like so you tell me they don't even take care of their own. Right. And so what we'll find interesting too is um, is if you look around too, some of the um, some of the like healthcare systems, and, and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna dime any out right now. No. But some of the healthcare systems don't even provide care. Like, don't even provide coverage for their employees to go get care for somebody. And you're like, well, you're, you're the doctor and you won't give, you won't give care for your employees. Tell me that system is working. How, whoever you see someone's role being in that, tell me there's not a better system to where, like, if you have health insurance and you go somewhere, it's, like, fairly priced and makes sense. And if you don't have health insurance, what's the plan there? It's, I wish I had an answer for it. Isn't that kind of a reflection of... Oh, so many things going on around us where you look at it and you go, this doesn't seem to be working, but I guess we'll go with it. Yeah, right. Maybe we should take a step back and analyze what we're doing. So you're going to solve all that for us, right? Once you get your master's? Yeah, yeah, that's, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> this is your platform right now to give me oh. your uh, your plan oh. to solve everything. I'm glad, I'm glad I'm here then. <laughs> I've, been, I've been emailing Joe Rogan every day for the last two months trying to get onto his to give him my platform. He doesn't email me back. It's so Say weird. your name is Andrew Yang. Oh, yeah. <laughs> You're like, listen, I'm going to give money to people, and I'm running for Congress or the, or the president, and you need to hear my side of the story. <laughs> Apparently, that's not enough to get him into the debates, though. So, <laughs> Amazing. It so, is. let's talk first, kind of like how we met, because oh, you yeah. and I didn't grow up together. I'm mm. not from St. Charles. Nope. Are you from St. Yes. Charles? You're from St. Yes. Charles. You don't live in St. Charles now, but no. you are from here. So I grew how up you... just down the street, actually. About three miles from here. That's why you're so great. That's why, yeah. <laughs> That's right. What was Cottabelle like back then when you were growing up? Uh, this all wasn't here. So <laughs> there wasn't really a Cottleville. Uh, Kyle Central wasn't here. You know, it was, uh, yeah, it was much smaller back then. <laughs> Things have kind of evolved. Things have changed a little bit, yeah. <laughs> so we met because one of my best friends, Freddie Williams, decided to do a church plant. Mm-hmm. And so we hosted one of those groups in our home because mm-hmm. me and Stacey wanted to be a part of this thing with some of our very dear friends. Mm-hmm. And so we met a lot of really, really, actually long-term friends from people that Freddie brought through our home that we got to know through this this church called Ecclesia that was around for a while. And uh, I just remember you showing up one day with our dear friend, Faye Dilde, because yep. you were best friends with her son. Her son and I did ROTC together up at Truman, and he's one of my best friends. And so, obviously, I know his mom, and yeah, so she invited me to come out with her one night to, to your house, and I said, well, got nothing else to do. And, might as well go with her, see what it's about. So you had kind of just finished college, if I remember correctly, at that point. Yeah, so I had just finished, um, I had just finished school, and then I had just actually gotten back from. Um, I had gone to a six-month school for the guard, for the army, and I had gotten back from that. I was kind of getting my, getting my feet back under me. I was working for. Um, Working for a contractor doing you're like painting houses. Painting houses. I remember you showed yeah. up and you were like, you know, filthy probably covered in paint. Yeah. So yeah. And I, I remember like it was day. one of those rare deals where when you walked in, I shook your hand and I met you and I felt like I just liked you immediately. <laughs> like I just felt like eh, here's a dude that I'm gonna hopefully be friends with for a while. Yeah. And I, I felt like we connected as friends yep. pretty quickly. 
And that evolved into hanging out outside of church and getting to know each other better mm -hmm. before lives completely dissected our ability to do that again. <laughs> yeah, right. But there was that incredible moment where, you know, you walk into my house, I don't know you, you're mm -hmm. painting houses, you know, you, you didn't have a girlfriend, you were kind of just trying to figure out life at that point yeah. from what I gather. Right. Like you were trying to get a, a job that wasn't just painting, you were trying to figure out how to settle down, how to make all these adult moves. At that point, you were what, probably... 21, 22? Oh, no, I was older than that. I was probably uh, 24. 24? Yeah. And I, so... I took some time. I, I packed a four-year degree into five years. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I slow-played that, that school, so it took me some time to get there to that, that uh, school for the Army, where most people go right after they graduate from school. They go straight into that six-month course. It took me about a year and a half to get there, so you know what? Like so why, why that choice? Why did you want to do ROTC and be reserved? Uh, I didn't. <laughs> uh, I didn't. Uh, initially, coming out of high school, I wanted to go to the Air Force Academy. Um, so I got uh, appointed to the Air Force Academy in high school. And I was intention and my intentions were to go there and, and do all the great, wonderful things that come along with that. And about a month and a half after that, um, I got a, a letter from the academy saying, thank you for your interest, uh, but you're medically disqualified because I had a lazy eye. And, yep. And so... You don't um, have a lazy eye now. No, because uh, I had surgery to fix it. And that's not good enough for the Air Force? It wasn't at the time. So you had a lazy eye back then? Mm -hmm. I don't remember that. That's because I had surgery before we met. Uh, yes. Yeah. So I had surgery in 2010 uh, to get into ROTC for at Truman. So I had no intention of joining ROTC at all. Period. Um, and then when I transferred up to Truman at uh, in January of 20, uh, so it's 2008. I was there from 2008 to May of uh, 2000. Oh, I don't know. I've been everywhere, man. So, I don't know. No, it was like 2010, I went to Truman, I guess. So, anyway, I was up there for a minute, and uh, so I had surgery on my eye to fix my eye, and then I was able to join ROTC, and they didn't have an Air Force ROTC, so I was like, well, I guess I'll do Army. And I tried to do, uh, I tried to go active, and um, it's really hard to go active uh, when you graduate with a 2.7. So, <laughs> put him on the front lines. Yeah. They're like, uh, does this guy, how's he do with a shovel? <laughs> like, uh, pretty good, actually. So, <laughs> so, yeah, so like, well, he'll fit in with the guard. So, they said, you're the national guard. And uh, so that's what we have today. <laughs> Why the desire to do that, though? Was it a financial thing where you wanted the, the no. benefits, the pay? Was it a, a desire to serve your country? What? Why? I didn't join anything. Yeah. Uh, uh, so why did you make that decision? I always had a desire to serve. Really? Yeah. And then, um, you know, it's it goes back even probably if we trace it back, even like to, to September 11th, you know. Right. Um, sitting there watching all that happen, being a highly impressionable seventh grade kid, with, sitting on the floor with my best friend, watching stuff fall. In down, the Midwest. In the Midwest going, what in the world is happening? And you, you know, you hear President Bush's speeches and you're just like, ready to headbutt your, headbutt you, the wall. And, didn't you feel good though when we had victory on the battleship immediately? Yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> you're like, oh wow, he landed the plane too? Dog, it's done. It's, we're 
Oh wait, I didn't even get the door wait, yet. we're still there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fast forward twenty years. Wait, I'm still there. <laughs> it's, it's interesting. Yeah, we're still there. So on the inside, like as you've learned, kind of the purpose of the of the ROTC mm-hmm. and what your role is. What do you get out of it currently? Because you still serve. Yeah. Um, so that's a, that's a really good question. So I think the, the great part about still being in is uh, you see the difference that you make locally. Like, so the unit that I'm in right now is we're in a heavy construction company and we get the chance to do construction projects locally for, um, and that's part of being the guard is we can be used in state emergencies. So we get to do construction projects for local community things. Um, you know, we get to do, um, uh, we're getting ready to do some uh, Homes for Heroes kind of things, um, improve some local uh, parks and stuff like that. Um, and then again, you know, first state emergency duties, we get to go help out for floodings, tornadoes, um, stuff that you hope never happens, but when it does, you're there to, to provide. Well, I'm sitting support. here roasting coffee and shooting a podcast. You're actually <laughs> the one, you know, bailing water and putting sandbags down and taking care of people, thinking, Something I wish like that guy that. was down here helping me. It's something like that. No. And that, the next time I will be down there with you. No, no, no. It's, uh, it's, you know, we're just, it's just nice to be able to, you have that opportunity if, it, if you're asked to go. So. so even within that, you've kind of achieved and moved ahead. Like, you've had a couple promotions in mm-hmm. that, correct? Yes. So what is your current position with the newest thing that happened six months ago? So currently, I'm a company commander for the, the company that I'm in. Uh, so I'm a captain. been a captain for over a little over three and a half years now. been in command of my unit for almost a full year. It'll be a year in April. So... Just starting to figure out what I'm supposed to do and what's expected of me, and it's busy. It's definitely busy. Uh, it's it's way more than one week in a month and two weeks a year. That's that's for sure. As, <laughs> as my wife will tell you as well. She's like, wait a second. Hold on, hold on. Those commercials are a lie. <laughs> you are you are doing way more than that. So, and you know, in that time, <coughs> you know, you. You were deployed when you found out you were having your first kid, and you're getting ready to deploy when you found out, right? So, so let's back up a little bit. So we got um, we got married in um, December of 2014, and immediately moved to Alaska, where we spent two years, uh, give or take two years, and then uh, <coughs> excuse me, sorry, and from there. Um, we decided before we had kids, we wanted to move back home. So we moved back home and, um, for me to come back to the guard, uh, the only spot that was open was in a unit that was deploying <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> which, you know, she was like, Oh, awesome. You know? And she was like, well, we're not going to have kids. Oh gosh, I hope she wasn't listening to this. She's like, we're not going to have kids if, if you're deploying. I'm like, all right, that's fair. Like, I'm not going to. You know, and you, you know, both really want kids. Yeah. Oh, for sure. For sure. Yeah. And uh, <coughs> oh man. And uh, you know, so she was like, "We're not gonna have kids if you're deploying." I was like, "Oh, I, I can't argue with that. You know, I'm gonna be leaving. You're gonna be the one with a kid." And so, uh, like three weeks later, she's like, "Okay, you know that I, I understand. You, know, just, you have to go." So, um, she ended up getting pregnant. And uh, how did that happen? How did the pregnancy? Yeah. Happen? How do you get pregnant? 
<clears throat> see when mommy and daddy really love each other. Um, <laughs> don't you have two of your own? I'm not sure they're mine, though. We have not had a DNA tests because I never really, I went to private school, private religious school, mm-hmm. and they never really taught us how sex works. Mm-hmm. So I'm not sure I've ever done it right. You may not be. <laughs> There's a, there is a strong possibility. <laughs> My kids are funnier, smarter, and more athletic than me, so I keep... And way better looking, too. They so. are. Better personalities. Just, and I'm like, dude, at this point, I'm kind of glad that maybe they aren't my DNA because they're going to get further in life. <laughs> There's more than just roasting coffee in life. Is what you're I, you know, I don't know. I'm, I'm too dumb to move beyond that, I think. <laughs> hey, take, you're in a lane. Just take it and run. You're oh doing God. all right. The ship's going down. I'm going down with it. So you guys get pregnant. Yeah. How, how long before you deployed did you find out that she was pregnant? Six months. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that timing is key. So uh, yeah, six months before we deployed, found out she's pregnant. Um, and so we get on a plane to head over to the Middle East. She's six months along. Um, three months later, I'm only a third of the way down with the deployment, <laughs> and she's getting ready to have our first. Uh, so luckily, um, the the military is completely different than it was you know, 30, 40 years ago. Um, I was able to fly home um, and spend 10 days at home, which was only 10 days, but it was a godsend of 10 days. Um, you know, so I got to be there for the birth. Uh, I got to I got to see that and be there for her during that um, and spend, you know, the next eight days at home with, with Jude and with, with Nikki and um, helping to get the routine established for her a little bit and then after eight days it was back to Lambert and made some connecting flights back to Kuwait and you're like pace yeah this childbirth thing's easy wow I don't know why y'all complain like this, this is I show in cool. I take the photos take some selfies hold right. the baby right. shake some hands Instagram, get some likes tell mom I love her yep. and then I'm back out yep and the, how hard was that second part of your deployment after that uh it sucked Honestly, that has to be brutal. Like, I would imagine, like, if you have a life and a family and you were already working at this point full-time in medical sales, yep. you know, you had developed a life. You bought a house. Right. You got married. You had a kid now. Right. And so this magical idea of, like, deploying and sitting mm-hmm. in some barracks and barrack, whatever you call it, in the Middle East, you know, doesn't yeah. sound quite as much fun when you know that this life that you've created, that you've oh, yeah. wanted your whole life... Mm-hmm is now sustaining without you and you really just want to be those people that you really love working on your house mm-hmm. and doing your job and you know doing those things so i imagine when you went back that second that second time the head had just been brutal as far as counting down the days until you were officially home yes. with those that you loved yep it was it the whole time that that part sucked now the good part was uh i was the lowest ranking officer in uh, in a incredibly incredibly busy staff shop, so I was waking up uh, at like four a.m. every day to get a workout in, and then I was at the office by six, and I didn't leave till seven, <laughs> and every day was consumed with work, and I mean I was busy all day every day, um, so that helped the time fly. It really did. Um, and you know, Nikki was great about sending pictures and updates, and thank God for technology. 
Um, you know, because I would get little videos. You weren't having to write letters and send Polaroids? Yes, thank God. Because, you know, it was, you see, oh, he's doing this cute little thing today, or oh, he did this today, and, you know, here's the sweet little thing you're doing. And, and they had this really neat little program where they would have um, a wall of books at the USO. And you could go pick out a kid's book and go to a little soundproof room, kind of like we're doing now. To Skype. Kind of, yeah. but you would, uh, but you would plug in a like a little scan disc to a, a camcorder, and you could read, like, record yourself reading this book, and then you would uh, ship the book and the scan disc home for free, and uh, the kid would get it two weeks later, and then they could plug the scan disc into the computer, and you could read the book to your kids. Uh, That's amazing. Over the, yeah, it was really cool. So I sent like hundreds of books home, right? <laughs> to the and point then, where he's like all right enough yeah she's like stop sending books we have plenty of books like mom your voice is starting to get annoying for me <laughs> right <laughs> so when you finally cut back mm -hmm. you know how, how long was that from the time he was born till you came back six months so he was six months old when I got home. wow yeah so like when you were like hey we're doing a, a dad blog do you want to be on i'm like look I'm only two years in, and I've missed 25% of it, so I don't know what you want to hear from me, bud. <laughs> I think it was more interesting, like, when you walked back in for, like, the final time, this kid is, you know, Judah's six months old yeah. already, yeah. and he's only ever experienced you not really being there, right? Me and he's TV developed. Screen. Did he look at you, like, when you walked in with your bags, and, like, look at Nikki and go, who's this asshole? Uh, <laughs> I don't know if he could formulate that Is he staying? <laughs> Like, when does he leave, when Mom? When does he go again? Like, he's not on the screen, so I don't know what to do with this. <laughs> no. <laughs> Luckily, he's a sweet kid, so I got that going for me. Um, it was it was really hard. Uh, I, I mean, personally for myself, I had a lot of anxiety going into it. Um, thinking, like, these, these guys got their whole routine down. They've got, you know, because you were saying, like, before I had this life, I was full-time sales, we had a house, I had a family, we were building this thing, and then I had to, you know, hit the e-brake and put everything on hold for a year and just up and leave. And then... And their life continues. And their life continues. And now, their life has continued for a full year without me. And they've built a life where I'm not there. And I've got to somehow wiggle my way back, you know, and you're, you're telling yourself all these things in your head because you're not there and you, you just don't know. So in my head, I'm like... How am I going to fit back into this? I'm just going to be in the way. I'm going to be, you know, it's going to be frustrating for everybody. It's going to be inconvenient. You know, in my head, I'm telling myself, like, they want me there right now. Like, is this, is this, is this? It's just the insecurity of not being yeah. a part of something and not sharing how you fit back in and how long it will take. Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, is this dude even, he didn't even know who I am. This kid doesn't even know who I am. Like, what? What am I supposed to do? Right. Yeah, and it's... And that's why I was kind of wondering, like, the first time you walked in and you just kept staying the night, Yeah. was he just super confused because it's him and mom? And, like, people out. come and say hi, whatever, grandparents come over, uncle, mm -hmm. cousin, whatever. But they always go home. Yeah. Because yeah. it reminds me of, and this, you probably had this too now that you've got a second kid, it reminds me, like, Connor Lane was our first and he was two years older than Oliver. And so, mm -hmm. in his mind, like, the way that... The world worked as me and mom gave him all of our attention mm -hmm. and he was, was like the three of us and right. then my wife had Oliver and I remember like the first night he's like oh this is kind of cool we've got a friend staying over and you know <laughs> like he's like eh, cool you know what's up we'd explain everything to him but he's two yeah he doesn't right. really you know get it yeah and uh, I remember like the second and the third night 
he would just kind of stand in the living room and like look at all of them and be like, when's this guy leaving? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it took it a while for him to sink in yeah. uh, and understand the new family dynamics of uh, this guy actually isn't leaving. And then he went through another phase where he was like a little bit jealous, mm-hmm. you know, and it was this totally innocent, hilarious thing that happened. Yeah. Like we would actually like laugh at it because you could just watch his face as he's trying to figure out like what is happening. <laughs> you could just watch him and just be like, this is, this is hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> this isn't what I signed up for. <laughs> he's like, uh, mom keeps holding that thing mm-hmm. and, uh, she's supposed to be holding me mm-hmm. and, uh. That guy is like, you know, hanging out and getting fed and stuff. Mm-hmm. When do we go do our thing? Right. And it's like, well, this kind of is our thing now. Yeah. So you're going to do us now. So it's me and you, bud. <laughs> I hope you're ready for dad time. <laughs> Dude, I remember like early on, they, they always got along great. But Connor Lane would always want to hug Oliver goodnight. And so we would always like ride at bedtime before we put Connor Lane down because Oliver was still sleeping in a bassinet in our room. Mm-hmm. And so we put Connor Lane back in his crib he would go to hug Oliver and say goodnight. And at this certain point, and I have no idea what turned it, but like two or three days into this, <laughs> he went to hug Oliver and he did his whole like hugged him and kissed him. I love you, bro. You know, brother, whatever. I don't even think he could talk back then. Uh, but then he decided to just start scratching his face. <laughs> <laughs> so we're sitting there and we're letting him do this beautiful, like, you know, thing where he hugs him goodnight and kisses him and, you know, whatever. So and then he sweet. just like, it randomly just is like <laughs> scratching like a cat and we're like uh kind of like that's inappropriate you can't do that so the next night he does it again so then we had to you know for like the next two weeks be like kind of like you can say good night from right there and oliver's <laughs> gonna stay over there about three feet away so your arms can't reach him until this little behavior of whatever this thing is has gone away because yeah. i had i think he was just like it was like his natural reaction to get this guy out of here yeah yeah mom's mine yeah hey bud I just want you to know where you stand. I'm marking this territory. It'd be like, dude, if I if I come home from work one day and there's just Stacy's got a new husband sitting on the couch and I haven't been told really about this, nor do I understand it. Surprise. And I'm supposed to give him a hug good night, walk back to my room, he's <laughs> gonna go to bed with her now. It, it, the first night or two I'm gonna be pretty pissed and then I'm just just be real confused as I try to figure out how right. the heck I missed this memo. Right. <laughs> Luckily we haven't gotten there yet. Right, yeah, yeah. But hopefully we uh Hopefully you uh, don't miss the nine months of warning. So how did you how did you transition and deal with that as you got back into the everyday life of your day job, your husbandry, your fatherhood? So, luckily, like, when you get home, you get a month of leave as well. Oh, you do? Yeah. Oh, wow. So I just dove in, right? I had <laughs> I had uh, the month of basically the month of September um, to uh, to stay home every day with you. And when Nikki would have to go to work, it was just me and Jude. And so I learned real quick the feeding schedule and the diaper Did you feed schedule. them yourself? Yep. Not, Breast, not breastfeed them? Breastfeeding, no. no okay. I tried once and it just didn't work. <laughs> a little bit of hair in the way? I read these things. <laughs> I read all the books. <laughs> this is how it works. This, no. <laughs> Wait a minute. I missed one important step. I'm <laughs> not a woman I'm with breast milk. Not a female. So you got into the rhythm of that? Yeah, so we got in the rhythm, um, and you know, just uh, you just kind of pick up. And you know, I was lucky in that I didn't have a combat role or anything. I was just manning a desk in the Great War, and, <laughs> and uh, 
So there, that, that added stressor wasn't there. Private Newman, is the oil still there? <laughs> yes, sir. Yeah. Right away, sir. Okay, get back to your desk. Yeah. And then, uh, so that was, that was basically it. <laughs> so I didn't have that added stressor to deal with when I got home. So it was, uh, there were still some, some things to, to adjust to. <laughs> um, I woke up a couple nights in the middle of the night right away and, um, like Nikki still makes fun of me for this, but it was one night, um, one of the first nights I was home, I woke up in the middle of the night and I was standing by our door and uh, I was like peeking out the door and back in and she's like, she woke up and she's like, what, what are you doing? I'm like, what, what do you mean? What am I doing? What are you doing? She's like, I'm sleeping. I'm like, yeah, I know. You can't be here, Nick. And she's like, we can't have girls in our room. If first one comes through here and catches you, we're gonna get in so much trouble. And she's like, okay, why don't you just calm down and come back to bed and everything's gonna be okay. You were just like having like a sleepwalking dream type yep. of that. Yep, like. Is that a normal thing for you? No, no, but that night it was. Was that like the only time that happened? As far as I know, yeah. She hasn't filled you in on anything else. No. She finally just started to roll with the punches like, okay. and not even mentioned it over coffee the next day. Yeah. He's insane. It yeah. is what it's, it is. It's just, I don't feel like having this conversation today. He's just lost it. We're just going to let it ride. Yeah. <laughs> so you got back into it. You go back to your career. What's it like to adjust to being in sales and, and hitting the ground running again and getting back involved with all of that after being gone from that for 13 months now? Yeah. So it was even harder because... Uh, and I, I love my company, but they didn't know how to bring me back on at first. I would imagine that would be nearly like impossible to figure out for most well, people. So like I was gone for a full year, yep. so I have to do all the new hire training, but I couldn't give anyone an HR. And that's, that's kind of the problem with the big corporations. You have such a, uh, a behemoth of an HR that nobody really knew when the next new hire training was. So nobody knew where to start me or what to tell me what I could legally and not legally do. And that's, that's the issue with, with pharma is there's so much legality and so much bureaucracy is, well, we could tell him that he could go out and do his job, but legally we're not sure, so nobody wants to make a decision and be on the line for the decision, so it was like, well, I guess I'll just go. So did you just like roll into the office every day and like stare at a wall and wait for someone to give you the answer? Kind of. Because you couldn't really go out and sell, right? Yes and no. Like... <laughs> yes and no. If we can't talk about that, we just won't talk about yeah, that. Yeah, let's move on. <laughs> so you get back in the groove of that. You decide to rehab this truck. Yeah. What made you decide to go back and get your master's degree? So I actually started that um, in July of 2017. Um, and I started because, um, one, I've always wanted to increase, like get uh, a graduate level degree. Um, it makes you, one, for promotion on the guard side, it makes you more competitive to go from captain to major. Um, and it makes you more competitive in uh, my civilian job as well. So, uh, and also my civilian job, I said that they would pay for it. And that uh, they said, once you graduate, then you have to work for us for two years uh, to pay back the, the degree. And I thought, wait, you're gonna pay for my degree and then pay me for another two years so I can work off the degree. Like kind of a sweet deal. It's fantastic. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Sold. 
So it was billed to me as a two-year degree, so I'm currently into my third year of this two-year degree. And, <laughs> you're staying, uh, you're yeah, staying on track. I'm seeing this theme. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, I'm like, man, wait, I'm getting sold a bill of goods. Wait, wait, wait. What's your GPA this time? Uh, oh, get this. It's like a 3.9 something. Yeah, you matured? I have. I have. And it I'm may still to... take you twice as long as what it should. <laughs> right. But this time you're not with a 2.7. This time I've got to figure it out. Yeah. And so, I'm like, man. This is starting to make sense. Like, I'm doing something that I want to do and that I'm interested in. Huh. How about that? <laughs> so, you took this job in sales, in medical sales. Yeah. What, what made you interested in that? Was that just the first job that, like, paid you some money and made you an offer? <laughs> no. Or did you target that specifically? So, um, I went to... So, my, my brother-in-law, um, his, his grandma passed away. Um, and so I went to her uh, funeral with my with my family, and his sister and I had a bunch of classes together in high school, and so I was talking to her and catching up with her at this time, and uh, she was like, "Oh, I do pharmaceutical sales. You would be great at it. You should look into it." And I thought, "Yeah, right. Number one, I'm not attractive. Number two, I'm not a female, so I'm out. Right? <laughs> I'm doing the game. math here. I know this game." I'm over two. I'm not I have a better it. chance of being an Instagram Instagram model. Right, right. Which I'm halfway there for that. I have Instagram. Uh, so <laughs> and you never post. And I never. Well, yeah, that is problematic. <laughs> so I'm um, one for two on that one. <laughs> so I thought, well, okay, I'll give it a shot. Because at this point, so at this point, I am making ten dollars an hour painting houses, which I love doing because. It's, I remember you telling me you like really enjoyed the work. You just knew it wasn't going to be long term sustainable. Yep. You know, based on what you'd seen so far. Right. Like, if I could, if I can make what I make now, painting houses, I would, or doing any kind of carpentry or construction, I would 100% go back. But, you know, I got the, the golden handcuffs now, so. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, you know, I, I'm like, well, whatever, I'm, if you go to my uh, little icon, little folder on my laptop that says resumes, there's like 67 different specialized resumes for resumes I'd submitted by this point. It's ridiculous. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I'm like, you know, whatever. What do I have to lose? I'll apply to a couple jobs. And this one was actually the only one I applied to um, because I was just frustrated and annoyed at this point. And uh, I got lucky because they were hiring an expansion sales force uh, that they didn't want any prior sale pharmaceutical sales history. They were looking for uh, new newer, newish graduates, uh, and they wanted people with either outside sales experience or military experience. And I was newish graduate with military experience. So I fit the bill and I got an interview and I squeaked through the interview by the skin of my teeth and, uh, and uh, got the job. And I had actually gotten uh, an offer from another company the day before I was scheduled to fly out for interviews for this job. And so I uh, asked the guy if I could think about that that uh, that uh, offer for 48 hours, and then went and flew out for this job. And they, by the time I landed back in St. Louis from that job uh, interview, my boss had called me and offered me the job for the uh, sales gig, and I was like, sold. I called that other guy back, and I was like, no thanks. So you hit the ground running. You were located here. Yep. Uh, at this point. I remember hanging out with you at one point, and you were like, uh, yeah, I ran to a girl that I knew from back in the day. 
at a football game because you were playing football, right? Like, yeah, yeah. On the side, you were just like, yeah. eh, I'm just going to play in this, like, I, was it a rec league? Uh, so or like a was, pro, like a minor pro? Like a semi to the semi pro league. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You were playing that, and you're like, I ran this girl from high school that I hadn't seen in forever. It had like, been like five years. Yeah. 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 And you were like, you know, it was kind of interesting. I remember that was like a conversation we had, mm-hmm. and that was where it ended. Yep. And then you got, you took a job opportunity in Alaska. Why'd you take that job? Um, it was with the same company, yep, yep, yep. but it was a promotion. Correct. So what happened? And it was Alaska. Right. <laughs> All three true. Yes. <laughs> so. <laughs> check. Fact. Check. check. You, wow, well, you're right on. Uh, so what happened uh, was that expansion sales force that we had. Uh, was brought on to supplement uh, the uh, the current sales force for the launch of a new medication. Well, the FDA blocked the launch of the new medication, wanting additional evidence. So they were like, "Well, now what do we do with these guys?" That <laughs> we just brought on. How's the severance packages looking? Yeah. <laughs> well, after three months of employment, not great. <laughs> so. <laughs> So what they did uh, is they said, okay, we're going to open up all of the positions at the um, at the, uh, the existing sales force level, so the, the one higher up, and if you guys want to take any of those positions, you can, or you can, you know, you can apply for any of those positions, or you can leave, um, which is basically the way it works. I hope you evaporate. Yeah. <laughs> That's not going to work for me, dog. Don't let the door hit you, but you get the door to split you. Um, so... Uh, there were a handful of positions in the St. Louis area, um, and there was one up in Alaska, and I thought, gosh, I could stay in St. Louis, um, but I just, and at this point, I hadn't ran into the girl from high school yet. You hadn't? No. Okay. Th- not when I accepted the position. So at this point, um, I had just been uh, dumped for like the fourth time in a row. I'm like, what? why am I still here? Like, I've got well, I remember that was part of the decision because I remember we sat down on my back patio back in the day when I smoked cigars. Like, you know, yep. it, was my, it was my day job. Um, <laughs> and we sat on my back patio and you, you were just like, dude, I'm just frustrated. Like, yep. things aren't progressing here. Yep. I feel like I need a big change and I'm young enough to do it. I love the outdoors. I love the wilderness. Yep. And I've got this opportunity. And I remember selfishly as your friend enjoying being with you. I'm like, you definitely shouldn't take that because <laughs> then who would I hang out with on my back patio? <laughs> and but of course it was the right move at the time. But I remember you just being at this point in your life where you're like, this just isn't really what I thought it was gonna be. Yeah. yeah. And you just said, screw it, like a lot of people do. And you said, well, I'm young with no kids and I'm married. Right. Let me move and go live out a dream and see what happens. Yep. And so I, oddly enough, was the only person that applied for the job in Alaska. <laughs> <laughs> So they were like, I, I mean, I got a call from my boss like seven times, and he was like, look, they'll give it to you, but you're sure, like, you're sure, sure, like, this is what you want. And I'm like, oh my God, how many times? Listen, bro, yeah. I'm not bright. You've worked with me for a while, right? You Come know on. this. You know I can barely spell my last name. Advance me quickly. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, I took, the, uh, I took that position. Um, I signed my letter of acceptance and sent it back to uh, back to HR. I got my start date, um, and I went to play one of my last few games for the the football team that I was playing with. And uh, that the girl from high school joined her sister at that game, and I'm like, "Gosh, darn it. hey, you!" Have you ever found out if that was on purpose by her? So. 
Um, so I knew we were playing this team, and um, I was friends with I was friends with um, her. I was friends with her sister's boyfriend still from back in the day, right? Like from Oof. okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Who's now my brother-in-law? But I was friends with her sister's boyfriend from back in the day. And so uh, I reached out to him. I was like, hey, man, you still play for this team or whatever? Because I knew we were playing on that week. And he's like, oh, yeah. I was like, oh, cool. Like, are you and Lauren still together? Who's my wife's sister. My sister-in-law and I. He's like, yep. I was like, oh, neat. And I'm like, crap. I better get to be there. Like, and sure enough, um, my wife, my now wife, <laughs> was at the game with her sister and we met up afterwards and talked for a while. And Neither one of you guys, it seems like someone subconsciously had an idea that that might happen. The good Lord. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I'm guessing. One, one, one and we're both. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, yeah. And she's like, oh, what are you up to? And I was like, oh, you know, just working and then we're close. And then, you know, <laughs> you know, the usual things that people Just want to ask Yeah. Anyway, so... Uh, and, uh, and she was in school full-time uh, up at SLU doing her PA program. So she was busy, and she didn't graduate till December. Um, and so we continued to talk and hang out for the last few weeks while I was in town before I moved. And, and then I moved up to Alaska, and, and it was like, well... It was just kind of like, yeah. I, I mean, look, we had dated for three years, three or four years through high school and started college, broke up for five years, got back together, and I was like, okay, look. You just knew. I just knew, yeah. And she knew, and we talked about it, and I horribly proposed over the phone 4,000 miles away, and her and her mom and my mom and her sister threw a wedding together in three months, and uh, I flew home over. Who did you tell about this? Did I tell you? A, no. Oh, no. <laughs> son of a bitch. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You remember how I found out yeah, that my boy was getting married? I do. Yeah. How would that be? That would be from uh, my lovely mother coming in here. <laughs> and, uh, she didn't come in, bro. She called me. She called you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, she called here. And she was like, uh, this is something, something. She didn't even, I don't even think she told me she was your mom. She left this message. <laughs> <laughs> so I get a message from whoever took the call and they're like, yeah, uh, so-and-so Newman, Mrs. Newman or whatever your mom's name is, is interested in planning a wedding shower for her son who is engaged. And I was like, hmm. That sounds familiar. I didn't even know you were really dating her at this time. But like, I knew you'd met her and yeah. talked to her, but yeah. I wasn't really, like, as far as I knew, you were in Alaska, and, yeah. you know, and it was what it was. And uh, so I remember, like, getting this, and I didn't, I wasn't sure it was you. Mm -hmm. But I remember texting you and being like, bro, is there anything you need, like, you want to tell me or anything like that? <laughs> and I think it, like, there was, a, like, a long silence and some dots while you figured out what you were going to say, and you're like, like, what do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> And I was like, uh, a Mrs. Newman just called her to plan a wedding shower at my chocolate bar. Uh, would this happen to be related to you? And you're like, my bad, bro. <laughs> yeah, that sounds like something we would do. Yeah. <laughs> so that's how I found out you were engaged yeah. and your wife was moving up there. And then yep. this one, which, quite honestly, because I'm extremely selfish, I was like, oh, good. So you always end up where your wife's family is if she likes her family. So, <laughs> he'll be back here shortly. Yeah. 
Because the missus probably ain't into the Anchorage, Alaska thing. And yeah. probably isn't into being 4,000 miles away from her family, especially as you guys plan to have kids. Right. So uh, I'm like, great. So this will work out for He'll me. come back eventually. This will work out for Connor and Nathan. <laughs> Listen, I just need my voice. Yeah, yeah, I get it. Uh, so yeah, we got married on um, the 19th. I better not forget that. Uh, and then the 26th of December, we started our road trip up to Alaska. That's right. You guys like yeah. did a whole thing on your way up there. Yeah. Who went with you the first time? No one. You, you did that on your own? Yep. I drove a U-Haul truck up through I remember that I, I thought you had someone go north, with you. no straight north to Winnipeg and then uh, hung left <laughs> <laughs> and I just kept driving until I almost died oh man it was rough four days I did it in four days gut rot like you wouldn't believe from all the coffee and sunflower seeds and it was bad it was gas station coffee too so how'd you like Anchorage ah man I loved it I'm gonna say Alaska's one of those areas that I have not been to, but I fantasize because I love the outdoors yeah. constantly. And I remember, like, you know, you and Nikki, you'd, you'd send me a picture of you guys, you know, mountain climbing or mm -hmm. hiking up a beautiful oh, yeah. mountain. Like, your weekends, yeah, yeah. you had no kids. Yeah. And she wasn't working up there, right? She was. She was. So she worked uh, for an urgent care. And <laughs> so they worked uh, four days, one week, and then six days the next week. So that six-day week kind of sucked, right? Um, but then the next week, she only worked four days, and then she had a three-day weekend every other week. So weekend. you had to go hit the, the outdoors. Just take off, yep. We'd just randomly drive up to Denali one weekend, or we'd drive down to the, um, drive down to the, the peninsula, and, you know, we'd just do whatever we could. We'd be like, oh. So it was a magical time in your life for that. It was that. amazing. Like, it was one of the best. Which I, I was like, it, you, you must just go out and hunt every day. And what we found out, or what I found out talking to you, is it, it's almost impossible to hunt unless you're a resident up um, there or you're extremely wealthy, right? Unless you're extremely wealthy or you are an established resident, which I didn't hit my residency, I like my established residency, because one, I'm, okay, so I'm a horrible procrastinator. And so I didn't get my residency until like, so I moved up there in September, but I didn't get my like license and stuff until right before I flew back, so like December time frame. So that means my <laughs> residency didn't start from December till December. So I didn't get my one year residency until after like all the hunting seasons ended. And then we moved back before the hunting season started again. I was like, ah, I miss everything. So you went out there with this idea of just hunting oh, and like yeah, having the time of your life, manning out. Yeah. And, just, and it did, just didn't, you got married instead, yeah. never hunted, and then moved <laughs> back out immediately. Precisely. Yeah. So it's like every male fantasy we have right. where it's one thing and it's actually another. Yeah. No, it was, I mean, it was still great. Like you wake up in the morning and we walk out. So we moved. We lived in the world's worst apartment because <laughs> it was the only thing I could afford at the time because it was like, I don't know, 500 bucks a month in downtown Anchorage, which if you think about it, you're like, oh, downtown Anchorage, that must be cool. Wrong. Okay. So <laughs> you'd, be, you'd be way wrong. Uh, so it was super sketch. Um, like there was one night where uh, I woke up at like 2 a.m. to a bunch of people like frantically hustling around downstairs. I was on the second floor and I look out and I'm looking over the parking lot and there's a carpet cleaning crew that came in at 2 a.m. and they're frantically cleaning the people's carpet. Dead body? Gotta be. Yep. 
at least one dead body. And I'm like, well, I'm just going to close the blinds. <laughs> I didn't see anything. Go back to sleep. No, go back to sleep. Close your eyes. Close your eyes. Did a lobby guy in the morning? Yep. <laughs> well, body will be Did you ever find out what happened? New? Didn't ask questions. New? <laughs> Hard no. Um, our entertainment there, because, you know, there's no AC. So in the summer, you have to sleep with the windows open because it's, it gets warm. You know, like up in the 80s or so sometimes. You sleep with the windows open and turn a fan on. Um, our entertainment was uh, all the homeless people up there would fight behind, in the alley behind our <laughs> apartment. So we would, like, take bets and see who would win. Uh, it was a nightly Who was the best fighter? Oh, jeez. What'd you nickname them? <laughs> we didn't have nicknames because they changed so much. Lefty? <laughs> oh, Southpaw. Southpaw. Oh, uh, but they used to... Uh, Tim Can Larry? <laughs> Tim Can Larry got mean right hooked in. Yeah. When she's Sandy, man, he come in there flying with that left hook. <laughs> Don't get caught with that fungus toenail, though. Man, I'll catch you clean. You'd be in trouble. Made it hard to sleep at night, though. Oh, yeah. It was rough. Are we going to bake tonight in our apartment, or are we going to try and sleep through the people fighting downstairs yeah. loudly? Yeah. So, the first chance we got, we moved. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we moved up north to Wasilla, uh, which is where... Almost Sarah Palin. Sarah Palin. Yes, you're right. We never met her because she's too good for us. Um, so, <laughs> so, so, we moved up there. We actually found this, this lady had bought um, this little prop, piece of property and built four brand new houses, like 14 square, 1,400 square foot houses. Um, just four of them like off into the woods and was renting them out. And we somehow got the last one and it was amazing. So it was off the beaten path a little bit. Um, it backed up to an old abandoned airstrip that somebody, it was technically abandoned, but somebody still owned it, so they still maintained it. No planes flew in out. It was just, it, and, uh... Was it Russia? What's that? Was it Russia? Close. Okay. Yes. So, on the other side of the airstrip, you could see Denali, because it was, you know, cleared out, so you could see Denali on a clear day, and, uh, there's another famous mountain, like the Sleeping Lady, you could see that up there. Um, on the other side of of the property was all the, the mountain ranges and everything. It was just just gorgeous. There would be moose in our driveway sometimes. And Do you ever think about choking one out and then cutting it and not telling anyone and eating that meat? Not a chance. Why? Dude, moose are super mean. Like really? worse than bears. Yeah. Really? Oh, Google it. Google it. Look into it. Look into it. I'll do that. Okay. I'm talking to you. So you have to shoot them from a distance. Oh, yeah. I don't <laughs> recommend getting close. <laughs> They'll chase you. She take that to last and be like, Connor, I give you ten bucks to go wrestle that miss. I'm like, done, bruh. Bro, I'm on vacation, so I've obviously got to get hurt. I got it. I've got like three levels of insurance now that I'm vacation. <laughs> now whenever I'm vacation, I got my regular insurance, my travel insurance, my travel travel insurance. So, bro, even if I die, like this is getting paid for. Watch me find this out of network hospital. I got this. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, maybe if I get hurt here, I can fly to Puerto Rico first. <laughs> Check yeah, out their health care. got some good hospitals up there. I like the island hop when I need yeah. surgery. <laughs> so, yeah, the, the, the moose are super mean. So, he's, he's too quick. I just sit in my car and wait for one to walk off for like a half hour. I was like, I'm just going to go eat dinner. This is stupid. <laughs> I'm wait for the stupid moose to walk away. You were like at the pots and like bang them out your window and be like, dude. Oh, they don't care about you, man. You no. ought to read them the First Amendment or the Second <laughs> Amendment. Just yeah. read, see if you can bore them to death. Right, right. 
listen, I'm gonna I'm gonna go through the whole deal. Here's a constitution, buddy. No one else has ever made it through this, so yeah. we're gonna see if you're special. There's a hundred people in Washington that haven't read it, I promise you that. It's my right to bear arms, Moose. <laughs> Speaking of which, it's crazy because like uh, if you go to cross country meets in Alaska, there's all sorts of dads standing around with their shotguns because the moose will charge the cross country runners while they're running. And then what? they'll have to drop a moose. So it doesn't hurt the kids while they're running. Their so track. they have to be able to see their kids the whole time too, or are they position throughout the track. Track, yeah. Unbelievable. Yep. Yeah. Now, what happens if you get a dad out there with a shotgun who doesn't particularly like another kid, and he goes, he shoots a kid that he doesn't really like, but then he goes, there was a moose near. Well, as long as the can you get away with it? As long as the moose is coming right at you, I think. And and the kid will be like, well, I mean, he's he's been shot, so I'm not sure he's going to really be aware, but. Like, could you even deny at that point? Uh, I never saw a moose. It was there. It was there. It was right in your path. I swear. Is that not a great idea to just take out a kid that maybe annoys you? Look, if the kid gets lippy, he's going to learn. And in pain, Alaska, that's how it goes. the best teacher, right? So. Alaska is like the one, in America at least, the kind of the one last untouched frontier where about yeah. anything is possible. I mean, aside from uh, hamstringing a kid with a shotgun on a cross-country track, I think anything is possible. You don't think yeah. that would happen? Uh, probably not. <laughs> <laughs> this is why my wife doesn't let me leave St. Charles. <laughs> She's like, you had a lot of horrible ideas, and I was able to contain them, and now you're loose. And this might be, this might top it. <laughs> also, you're not going to any of Oliver's cross-country meets. At least not packing. <laughs> well, you know, I'm not allowed to carry guns with me anymore. I can't imagine why. The, the, ATF the background check, they were like, I don't think he's right. And so I'm like, can you prove anything? They're like, no. And I'm like, eh, it's still listen to this podcast. Did you yeah, yes. Yeah. <laughs> that, uh, that BB podcast, that's my cousin, Larry. He's not right. Larry. I'm completely normal. <laughs> so, what, so you have this beautiful house you're looking mm -hmm. at all these beautiful things you got these long weekends with your wife mm -hmm. and then you decide to move back yeah kids yeah. so you knew you were wanting to have kids yep. you were missing family and you realized eventually that well, we there was a beautiful vacation and landscape but you were missing the community around right. what you want to build a family right exactly like i wasn't about to have kids without that family support and i mean we look at it now and the amount of help that we get from her parents her sister I mean, my parents drive down from here all the time. Um, You're about 20, 30 minutes from here? About 45 on a good day. Don't wonder I never come and see you. Yeah, exactly. Uh, don't think I didn't notice. Um, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and, you know, so everybody's pitching in and helping out. And her cousins and everybody lives real close now. And so it's like, there's no way we could have done it without... All of our family. There's a way, but you wouldn't have enjoyed it. Right. It would have just been... This has been the best thing for you. Yeah. And I can, I, dude, I can agree 100%, you know. I never really wanted to stay in this area. I never really wanted to be here. Mm -hmm. um, but I know for a fact... And, and I know this because we had close friends that were transferred here and lived here and started a family here without that family support. And... What a good family can do with my wife's parents, my parents, sisters, cousins, aunts, uncles, the amount of help they can give you and the amount mm -hmm. of extra love that your kid can get from them, mm -hmm. it's unbelievable. Oh, yeah. And I just, wouldn't do it any other way. Yep. And then, I mean, so Jude's not even two. 
but to listen to him in the back seat, and he's talking about going to see Grammy and Paw Paw and, and Lauren and Courtney and Shelby and you know, and he just he'll sit in the back and he'll list off every one of our brothers and sisters and and uh, he loves to FaceTime um, my sister's little girl. Like those two, it's like it's ridiculous because they'll FaceTime each other like on my sister's phone and Jude will take my phone and run off and Ellie, my sister's uh, little girl, will take the phone and run off and they're just staring at like the top of each other's heads, right? Because they don't understand how to phone. <laughs> but they'll, they'll sit there in normal language and talk to each other for really? a point. Yeah. It's hilarious. That's amazing. It's so funny. But, you know, and it's like, there's no way we could have done this from 4,000 miles away. So... As much as I love it, as much as I talk about going back all the time, it's mostly just to poke at my wife and annoy this her. This one, one yeah. way to aggravate yeah. her. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Nine minutes, just aggravate you her. Know, I figured out, like, I love going to the mountains so much mm-hmm. that I, I realized at some point, because every time I go, I won't shut up for two months about how I'm selling everything and moving yeah. there, and that stresses my wife out greatly, <laughs> and probably my kids also. <laughs> and so then I finally realized that the reason she sometimes fights me on going on those vacations instead of going somewhere god-awful that I hate <laughs> is because she doesn't want to have me want to move there. Yeah. So sometimes she'll resist going somewhere with me yeah. because I get so obsessed with it. So- yeah, that I really am like trying to make plans because I'm an idiot. <laughs> yeah. To move and um, then she'll write it out and you know, we here we are because yeah. this makes the most sense. But she does know that if she takes me somewhere flat, hot, and boring, <laughs> I will be dying to get home. Yep. And so it solves two problems. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Nikki called me looking at property in Montana the other day. She's like, What are you doing? I'm like, I'm just you know It's an investment. Investment huh? property, hunting stuff. You can go take, you know, camping trips up there. And she's like, shut up. Pay off this house first. I'm like, well, now we're never going to get there. So, <laughs> <laughs> so you come back here. Yeah. You, you take a different job, a lateral move. <clears throat> what, lateral. what brings you back here? Yep, it was lateral. So the job that I'm in now um, opened up. Uh, and nobody wanted it, as I've come to find out, because the coverage in this area is horrible, and it makes selling my product really difficult. So, oddly enough, nobody was taking it. And I was like, oh, can you do it? And uh, so I did. And uh, we've made, um, <clears throat> we've turned lemons into more lemons, and to very little lemonade. So, uh, no, it's it's been great. Um, I've, I've actually loved it. But, so I, I did. I took a lateral move to this, to this territory here, and um, been here now since April of April or May of sixteen. So building up. What's the next plan? Uh, just finish school. Finish school. Figure out what the next step with your company is. Yep. How many kids you want? Well, after this pregnancy and seeing a pregnancy through, I've been here the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> this is less fun when I'm here. Yeah, wow, this is like that. Imagine being the woman. Right. She's crazy. And this is a lot more difficult than I remember. <laughs> like, it's a lot cooler here, too. <laughs> and, uh, so I'm like, uh, maybe, maybe we'll just stop it, too. And, uh, and we don't have to get bigger vehicles now and stuff like that. So um, probably one more, maybe two, if she happens to have plenty. So you're going to have seven more kids. Probably, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it'll, be, it'll be like a remake of John and Kate plus eight. <laughs> That's not a bad idea. No, it's a bad idea. Oh, it is? Yeah. Oh, you don't want people in there? Terrible idea. So 
what, what do you want to do going forward? Like, what are your goals now that you've got your family, you're back, mm-hmm. you're still active duty, you're growing in that, you're finishing mm-hmm. your master's, you know you're going to be with your company for two years minimum after that. Mm-hmm. Your wife is working part-time, full-time, part-time as a yeah. PA, mm-hmm. and you guys are just hanging out with family. Yeah. So, I mean, my goals, um, obviously I'd like to progress, maybe find, find my way backwards into a couple promotions within this company. Um, the Masters is a big part of that the Masters is a big part of it Masters really helps Uh, I'd like to have my boss's job at some point you know if he's listening I don't want you to leave but (laughs) when you get promoted because you're so good then I would be happy to take your position I would be happy to take your position or you know wait my turn and and get there eventually but um, you know whatever whatever opportunities arise in that in that area um you know, at some point, I'd like to, to transition into a role like that, where I manage a, a team of, of sales reps that, that go out and try and change the world one. How many people would you be responsible for at that point? Uh, if it's currently, like, instead of now, like, ten. Ten? Yeah. And then you've got how many people underneath you in your unit in the National Guard? Uh, about 150. So you're responsible for a lot of people. A uh, handful, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> About and you just 20, keep taking more on. About $25 million worth of equipment. That's it? Just, yeah. It's actually not that much in terms of military units. Like, we have one unit up in Macon that has like 10 times that amount. Yeah. Dang, that's a lot of, that's a lot of dinero. And you got your next one any day now, right? Uh, yeah, so it won't be later than next Thursday, which is like, I don't know, February 6th. Uh, unless she has a mind of her own and decides to decides to come early, but yeah. So you're gonna we got this in just in time because I'm not yes. gonna see you for the next year, <laughs> at least the next six weeks. <laughs> well, man, I appreciate you coming in and doing this for sure. I've wanted to hook back up with you and talk to you for so long, and uh, I'm hoping we find a reason to do this once in a while just so we get a chance to hang out. Absolutely. And dude, I appreciate you sharing your story and just telling everyone like. It, it is wild because I'm a little bit older and I was already a little bit more established when you walked into my living room covered in paint. But if you think about this transition that you made from walking in at 26, 24, whatever you were, being a painter, trying to figure life out, being disillusioned, and you just think about you know making halfway intelligent steps and just sticking with it and continuing to push your life forward, not that much later... You've got your master's degree almost completed. You've been promoted within the National Guard. You've served our country. You have been promoted within your medical sales job that you didn't even have at the time. You've got a wife and and your second kid on the way. You own a house. Like, that's one thing that I I really love watching developing people in my life is just, if you just, like, you know, try to make common sense moves and, and move forward, you know, four years ago or whatever it was where you're sitting on my back patio telling me you're completely disillusioned with your life after being dumped for the fourth time by someone that you probably didn't even really like that much and you're just frustrated and then the random occurrence of you know your high school sweetheart or the girl you dated for three years just randomly showing up immediately getting married moving to Alaska building this career and somehow that actually worked out 
right. it's pretty amazing to look back and look at that journey. And, I, you know, I, when you reached out to me and we talked, I was like, dude, I would love to tell that story. And not a lot of people are open to telling that story. Well, man, I appreciate it. So I appreciate you coming here and doing this. And I look forward to watching you over the next four or five years as you continue to blow by me <laughs> in life. And then I ride your coattails as much as I can. <laughs> Jump on, brother. Let's go. All right, brothers. That was Ryan Newman. That's my boy. We're here in St. Charles. And this is uh, VB's podcast signing off. Thank you, guys.